All right, now this morning I'm going to share with you on Father's Day and on the fatherhood of God. The fatherhood of God, and we'll start in Ephesians chapter 3 and in verse 14. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14. And then Paul is you know, writing to this church at Ephesus, and he says, For this cause, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And so every, every fatherhood derives its pattern from the fatherhood of God who is in heaven. And God's fatherhood, it is eternal. He, he, he is father and he has always been father. God has no beginning, he has no end. And so the fatherhood of God is everlasting. It is, it is eternal, it always was, it always will be. And every fatherhood on earth really derives its name, its simplicity, its authority from God as father in heaven, from the fatherhood of God in, in heaven. And every child's picture of God, you know, little children, they begin to grow up. I mean, basically, it starts with a picture of their own father. And, you know, the tragedy today is people of walking in wickedness, walking in sin, forsaking the Lord. You know, the, the tragedy is we have so many kids today who have just a horrible picture of God because that is what their fathers have been like to them. And, you know, it's hard to erase from a child's conscious, consciousness the image of a, of a cruel, you know, a cruel father, a selfish father, maybe a drunken father, a covetous fa father. And covetous is the covetousness is the same as idolatry. Paul says in Colossians 3 and verse 5. And, you know, one, one, one vital thing, one important thing that's required of a good father is, is time, is time. Time with our father. And, you know, children are not disciplined. Children are not set in order just by, you know, do this, do that, don't do that, don't do that, a whole lot of set of rules but by living in fellowship and communion, you know, with their, with, their, with their parents. And when we think of fellowship and relationship one with another, fellowship did not begin on earth. Fellowship began in heaven. In fact, it's, it's eternal. And the Son is presented to us. I mean, it says the Son came out of the Father. And it speaks of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also came out of the Father. And so just as God has always been forever and ever, so, so Jesus has always been forever and ever, and so the Holy Spirit has always been forever and ever. And the Son, the Lord Jesus, is represented to us as being, being in the heart or being in the bosom of the Father. And young people today, I mean, they long. They long for love. 
They long for fellowship. They long for understanding. And, you know, just thinking of, you know, being a father over, over many years. And by the grace of God, the Lord's helped me to do some things right. And seek to teach my kids in the ways of the Lord and so on. But on the other hand, I mean, I've, done, I've made many mistakes. Um, many mistakes. And, you know, at, at times I've probably put my ministry, traveling, teaching, preaching before my family, and, and my family suffered. Um, and if I had my time over again, there'd be certain things that I would do differently than I, than I have done. And Paul tells us in Ephesians, speaking to fathers, and he says, Ephesians 6 and verse 4, it says, and you fathers, you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't, don't provoke them to anger, but bring them up in the, in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, you know, in the, to educate them in the word of God, in the scriptures, in the ways of God, the admonition, the instruction of the Lord. And here the Apostle Paul, he's, he's addressing parents and in particular, he's addressing fathers, fathers. And he says, Paul says to them, not to provoke. Don't provoke to anger. Don't do things to children that are going to bring the, you know, the wrong things out of them. In fact, some kids have even got, you know, are even possessed by evil spirits through being provoked by a father. And, you know, when parents discipline, you know, often, you know, parents just get so brassed off with their kids that then they just, anger boils up within and then that they just get so, they just lose it and then just hit them and, and, and there's no controlling of their spirits. But when parents discipline their children, I mean, it should be in love and they must control their own spirits and make sure they're disciplining their children, you know, out of love and not just out of anger or, a, you know, a hot temper. And, you know, yesterday as I was thinking about the message today, I was meditating and thinking about my own father and then also I was thinking about my spiritual father. And my dad, he was, he was only... 51 years when he died. And he died before we got married. Marilyn never met him. Never met him. But I've got a lot to be thankful for. And he was a, he was a good man. He was a, a just man. He, he, was, he was generous. He was a hard worker, diligent worker. Uh, and, you know, he provided for us. And, you know, I've got memories of some wonderful, wonderful memories of, you know, various family vacations that we, we had together in New Zealand. And when we were young, we, we were brought up in the Anglican Church in New Zealand. They call it the Episcopalian Church here in America. But he took us to church and went to Sunday school. And, and he, was the, he was actually the superintendent of the Sunday school for a time. Um, and, I felt, and after I made a decision for the Lord, 
And even though he sort of was not happy with that decision, but then he did tell me soon after that that he had made a decision for the Lord at a, at a Billy Graham crusade in Auckland. This is way back in, in New Zealand uh, in 1953. So, you know, I've, I, I, I thank the Lord, and I've got a lot, lot to be thankful for. You know, my dad, he's, he's, he's been a blessing to me in many, many different ways. And, you know, there's natural fathers, but then there's spiritual fathers. And something that all of us can be here, everyone who's present in the service, whether you're male or you're female, you know, we can all be, we can all grow and we can all grow so that we become, in God's way and in God's time, spiritual fathers and mothers and can help other, help other Christian believers to, to grow and to mature and to go on for the Lord. And the Apostle John, when he writes his, his epistle, he speaks there of, uh, he speaks of little children, then he speaks of young men, and then he speaks of fathers. So you don't become a father. You don't, you're not just born into this world and become a father overnight. No, you, you can't be a father until you've, you've, you've passed the little children stage and then you're a young man and, and then it's, you're mature and you're able to be a father. So in 1 John 2, 1 John and in chapter 2, and in verse 12, and it tells us there in, in John 2, verse 12, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, forgiven you for his name's sake. Verse 13, I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. And verse 14, I've written, I've written unto you, fathers, because you've known him that is for, from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abide, abideth in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. And so... In those verses that the Apostle John writes to us about, we have three levels. And there's the, the little children, the young children, then there's the, the young men, and then there, there is the fathers. And there must be that progression. You can't become a spiritual father before you're, you're a spiritual young man, and, and you can't become a, a spiritual young man until you're a spiritual child. And we must, we must begin. We must, we, we must first be born again and be born into the kingdom of God. And speaking of that first group, which is mentioned there in those verses, little children, little children. And we, we've just read, they know their sins are forgiven, which happens, of course, at salvation when we repent of our sins. We invite the Lord Jesus Christ into our heart as our Saviour and as our Lord and Master. And little children, they know. They know God is their Heavenly Father. 
having the witness of the witness of the Holy Spirit and their spirit that they are the children of God. And Paul tells us in, in Romans 8 and verse 16, Romans 8 and verse 16, Paul tells us there, the Spirit itself, or the Spirit himself, bears witness with our spirit. There's a, there's a witness of the Holy Spirit that we are the children of God. And so they've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we, 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 we cry, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. And that little phrase, Abba, Father, it's an Aramaic word, Abba, Abba, Father, and it's, it's, it's a thought of intimacy, it's a thought of family, it's a thought of closeness, and it's, it says, we Abba, Father, uh, Daddy, Father, Daddy, Father, and little children, and it says, their sins, they have the witness in their spirit that they are the children of God, and that they've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, there's the young children's stage, and then there's the young men's stage. And we've read from 1 John 2, it says that young men, you know, they are strong. And, uh, you know, young men, like, go to the, you know, exercise their muscles and have their workouts and everything else, and, you know, become physically strong. And God wants us to be spiritually spiritually fit, to be spiritually strong. And, and it tells us there in verse 13, they are strong. Young men, they are strong. And, and verse 14 tells us that the word of God abides in them. As we feed upon the word of God and the word of God begins to abide in us and become a part of us, we will receive strength, physical strength, uh, inner strength, inner strength, and resilience, and we become strong through the word of God. And it's also through the word of God that they have overcome the wicked one. You know, if we're not going to be daily in the word of God, we're not going to, we're not going to have victory over the wicked one, over the evil one, over the temptations of Satan and the powers of darkness. But by the grace of God, as we feed on the Word of God, as we meditate on the Word of God, as we study the Word of God, as the Word of God becomes, becomes a part of us, the Word becomes flesh, becomes a part, part of our lives. Uh, you know, God brings us into victory. And really, you know, you can't become a father, a spiritual father, spiritually, until, you know, you've become a child first, spiritually, and a young man, and 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 have the word of God abiding in you, and have learned to be an overcomer, overcomer over the temptations of the wicked one, and, and be victorious. And as we continue to feed on the word of God, as we continue to have victory over the enemy and overcome the devil, we will mature into fathers. And so that is all. I mean, it, it's a process. It takes time. Children, little children young men, and fathers. And the Apostle John writes about fathers. It says, we've read, they know the Father. They know the Father. And that's the Son as well and the Holy Spirit. But it's the thought of 
knowing the Father in a very personal and intimate way. And, you know, David, he had, he had such a relationship with, with the Lord, with the Lord. Think of Moses and, you know, 40 days, 40 nights up in the mountain and, and you know, ministering to the Lord and receiving from the Lord. And, you know, it says of Moses, it says of Moses that the Lord spoke, Exodus 33, 11, the Lord spoke with Moses face to face. I mean, imagine that, face to face, even as a man speaks to his friend. The Lord spoke face to face. And Moses was able to, he was able to say, he said, I beseech you, Lord, Exodus 33, 18. He said, I beseech you, you, Lord. I plead with you, Lord. Show me your glory. And the Lord replied to him and said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show mercy on whom I will have mercy. I mean, what a... What an intimate relationship Moses had. What, a, what an incredible walk with the Lord he had. And he was called, he was called, you know, to be the father. He was to, to lead the children of Israel through the wilderness. He was, as it were, their father, their spiritual father. He had about three million of them. And, uh, you know, he was aggravated many, many times by all the things they did. But what an intimacy he had with God. I mean, God speaking with him face to face and that personal intimacy he had. And this is something all of us, if we're going to be spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, God is wanting to bring us into new levels of relationship with him, of intimacy with him, of, of knowing him, not just in a, a vague, far-off way, but knowing him in a, in a, in, in a personal intimate, vibrant way. And that's why what the Apostle Paul talked of six years before he dies, when he wrote the book of Philippians, and he said, there's a cry in his heart. I mean, he's accomplished so much for the Lord, started churches, seen many come to the Lord, all kinds of you know, things that he's gone through. But then he cries out, that I might know him, that I might know him. Now, he, he already knew the Lord as his saviour. He knew the Lord as his healer. He knew the Lord as the one who led him and guided him. But he says that I might know him. And he's talking there, not, obviously not about salvation, but he's talking about coming into a personal, intimate relationship, you know, with the, with the living God, the living God. And... I believe each of us, God is wanting to bring us closer to him and into a personal, intimate relationship with him as Father, Father God, Father God. And those who are fathers, they know the Father's heart. They know the greatness of his goodness and the beauty of his character. And it, it tells us that in Zechariah 9, verse 17. It says, for how great is his goodness? How great is his goodness? You know, this morning we've spoken you know, a bit about the goodness of God. He's a good God. But, you know, how great, how great is his goodness? How great is his beauty? 
And if we're going to be fathers, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, you know, we have a responsibility to, to teach and to minister to others the ways of God. Deuteronomy 6 and verse 7. It says there, you know, speaking to parents, particularly fathers, you know, it says, and you will teach them, speaking about your children, you shall teach them diligently. Teach the word of God, the ways of God, the words of God, the commands of God. Teach them diligently to your children. It tells us Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, they may go away for a season, but by the grace of God, as we pray and look to the Lord, we can lay hold upon his word that they will return to the Lord. And then Paul, Paul, when Paul writes to the, the, the Hebrew, the Hebrew believers, in Hebrews chapter 5, and he, he, he has to kind of reprimand them. He said, this, this, it's time now, you should be fathers, but it's been a long time, and you're still little children, spiritually. You have not grown into young men, you have not grown into fathers. You've been saved a long time, but you're still at the little children stage and you have not grown. And Paul has to reprimand them. He said, the, the, the time you should be teachers, you know, you, you're still needing others to give you the milk and the, the, the milk of the word of God, the basic things of the, of, the, of the word of God. And so, you know, the whole purpose of God for us is to grow you know, to grow to maturity, to grow to full maturity and become spiritual fathers and mothers. 1 John 2 and verse 13, it says there, I write unto you fathers because you have known, you've known him from the beginning. So it's clear a father is one who, who intimately, intimately knows God, who lives in the very presence of God, in the Holy of Holies. And 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 15, uh, familiar scripture, but, it, but it's, Paul is, is making it clear. You know, there's many people who can preach the word of God. There's many people who can teach the word of God, who are good teachers. But he says there are few who qualify as spiritual fathers. And, you know, many can teach, and we should teach, and we should have a goal to teach. And there's many who can teach, there's many who can preach. But Paul is saying it's hard to find spiritual fathers who will not only, you know, who will, who will, who will put input into the lives of others and will minister to them and... You know, not just not just their words, but their their life. And if we're going to be a spiritual father, I mean, it's not enough just to be able to teach, but we must we must be the embodiment of what we say. How can you teach someone to talk about prayer and everything if you hardly pray yourself? How can you talk about you know being faithful and tithing and giving if we don't do it ourselves? I mean, what we what we what we teach, we must live. And as we, as we live the life and we are the embodiment of our message, you know, we become, you know, 
a father, a father, spiritual father and mother. And, you know, many Christians can teach and preach, but few, but there's few who are spiritual fathers. And God wants us, in, in, a, in a greater sense, to give us all that father's heart, that father's heart. And we need to prepare now for revival is coming. And in Numbers chapter 11, and this is Moses, I mean, the children of Israel gave him, gave him an incredible hard time as he, as he took them through the wilderness. And continually, you know, they came out, they'd seen the miracles of God, they'd seen the power of God, but what did they do? They, they criticized Moses, they murmured against Moses, they complained, they wanted to go back to the, the food of Egypt, to the ways of Egypt, and... You know, Moses got, got so tired of them, so, so exasperated, that there was, we read in, in, in Numbers chapter 11, it even came to the place where he said, Lord, I can't, I can't take this any, any longer. The pressure is too great. The pressure is far too great. He said, and he says, Lord, take my life. He said, Lord, kill me. I mean, he was just so frustrated with them. And, you know, they didn't learn and, you know, continual murmuring, continual complaining, continual unthankfulness, uh, you know, in spite, in spite of the, the, the miracles which the Lord had done. But there's an interesting, interesting verse in that passage, and in Numbers 11, and beginning at verse 10, Numbers 11 and verse 10. Then Moses heard the people weep throughout their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And so Moses was very displeased. And Moses said unto the Lord, Wherefore have you afflicted Thy servant, and wherefore have I not found favor in thy sight, that thou layest the burden of all this people upon me? I mean, imagine having a church of three, three, three million people, approximately, and you know the burden, all their burdens, all their problems, all their woes, and it was just the burden was just coming down upon on Moses. It was just too great, and he, he's crying out, "Lord, take me!" And he, he says to the Lord. Lord, have I conceived all, all this people? Have I begotten them? That you should say unto me, carry them in your bosom as a nursing father beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto the, their fathers. Now, that's a strange verse. You don't, and you, you always talk about a nursing mother. You never talk about a nursing father. But here, it's very clear. It says, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth the suckling child unto the land which thou swearest unto their fathers. And so he's speaking about a father and it's, you know, giving nourishment, giving nourishment to the young ones bearing the, the suckling, sucking child unto the land which thou swearest unto, unto 
their fathers. And God is wanting to raise up many fathers because when we talk about revival, we talk about a move of the Spirit coming, and that's going to involve many, many souls and a multitude of souls brought into the kingdom of God and you know, babies who will be birthed into the kingdom of God in these days, in these last days. And when you look at, at revivals that have come in the past and in past revivals, often there's been a move of God and there's been many souls who have been saved and have come into the kingdom of God. But then for one reason or another, that that move of God has not lasted. It's been dissipated. It's been fallen apart. It does not continue on. And, you know, one of the reasons is people are not taught. Um, another reason is, is godly character has not been developed in people. Um, but one of the reasons is because of lack of spiritual fathers, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. And, and because of that, because of the lack of fathers, you know, a move of God has been lost. Revival has been lost. And I believe at this time, God is wanting to prepare us, you know, to be like Abraham. His name means the father of a multitude, the father of a multitude. And God wants to bring us. God wants to bring us. He wants to bring us, you know, as it were, from the tabernacle of Moses, through the veil, through the veil, which is his flesh, into the holy of holies, even into the very presence of the Lord. And for us to be those, you know, who have the heart of a father, the heart of a father. And when Jesus is praying in John's Gospel, chapter 17, he's praying as this high priestly prayer, and he's praying to his father, his heavenly father. And he, he talks about the Father, which is really the greatest title. And he says, Holy Father, Holy Father. The Father is holy, and he is our Heavenly Father. And Jesus, you know, prayed to the Father. And, you know, yesterday I was thinking, I was thinking about my natural Father, but also I was thinking about my spiritual father, who was, who was Pastor Bailey. And, you know, his funeral was 10, day, 10 years ago. It was on Father's Day. The funeral was a Sunday, like today, a Sunday, and it was Father's Day. The, the Father's Day, the third Sunday, third Sunday in, uh, in June. In New Zealand, we have our Father's Day in September, but... Mother's Day is the same, but uh, it's, uh, it was Father's Day when we had this, the, the, the funeral of Pastor Bailey right here. And that's 10 years ago. I mean, it's hard to believe, but his funeral was on Father's Day 2000 and 2012, 10 years ago. And it's probably not by chance that his funeral was on Father's Day. You know, Pastor Bailey, like Abraham, was a father of a multitude, father of nations. And many people look to him as their spiritual father. You know, many nations of the world. And I was thanking the Lord yesterday, you know, that, that I had the privilege, 
He was my teacher at, at Faith Bible College in New Zealand way back in 1969, before some of you were born. And, you know, I had the privilege of having him as my spiritual father for, you know, it was over 40 years. And he's impacted my life so much, probably more than any other person, and is the godliest person I have known. And scripture you've already mentioned, but it says, though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you have not many fathers. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15. And as a, as a caring spiritual father, I remember, you know, I was thinking about it yesterday, you know, his, his love, his care, his generosity, his counsel, and also his correction, which uh, I have needed. <laughs> and, you know, I want, to, I want to remember afresh, you know, this morning, just some of the, some of the precious truths that our spiritual father has taught us. And I just got a list of a few things here, but we're, we're on a spiritual journey. We're on a sp spiritual journey, it begins at salvation. And like the children of Israel in the Old Testament, they had that journey. It started in Egypt, speaking of the world. Then it went to the Red Sea, which was speaking of water baptism. And then they came to Mount Sinai in the third month, and that was the time when they celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, and it represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then they were in the wilderness, and they wandered in the wilderness, and there were the trials of the wilderness. And, and we saw that even Jesus, after, his, after the Holy Spirit came upon him, the, the Spirit of God led him into the wilderness. And in the wilderness, he was tempted by the enemy, by, by the devil. And then, you know, the children of Israel, they came to Jordan, speaking of the crucified life, and then into the, into the promised land, and then to Hebron, speaking of friendship, speaking of consecration, and then eventually to Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And, of course, Zion is the dwelling place of God. Zion represents the presence of God, the power of God, the glory of God, so many things. And so, you know, he taught us, um, beginning at salvation, and our goal is spiritual Mount Zion, the dwelling place of the Lord. And Pastor Bailey, he taught us to live, to live righteous, righteously, to be real, to live the life, you know, to be genuine. He taught us to, to walk in the way of purity and holiness. He taught us the realities, the realities of, of heaven and of hell. And he encouraged us to become teachers of righteousness, at least at some level. And, you know, some might just be in a Sunday school class. It might be just one-on-one, -on -one, as uh, I think Gabby had this morning. But, you know, we can be a, a teacher of righteousness to a small group, to three or four people. And then, you know, whether in a youth group or Sunday school, home group. Uh, and he encouraged us to be teachers of, of righteousness and to raise up kings and priests who will rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ all throughout eternity. And he taught us, even in the midst of trials and difficulties, to never, 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 you know, give up. And he gave us a vision of the coming revival of 
great harvest, great power and glory coming. And also he set before us the vision of a you know, Zion Bible College in, in every nation. And by the grace of God, may we all arise in God and go forward by the grace of God that we will be those who will inherit the promises given to our spiritual father, the truths of Zion going to every nation of the earth. Often a father, you know, will make many sacrifices for his children. And I just want to share a testimony of the sacrifice, the sacrifice of a father who, who died on, who died on um, 2001, the World Trade Center at the uh, 9-11 when the Twin Towers came down. And there was a man from, from Norfolk, Virginia. He called a radio station on September 11, 2003. That was two years after the Twin Towers in New York came down. And his name was, was Robert Matthews. And a few weeks before September 11, Robert Matthews and his wife they found out they were going to have their first child. And so they planned a trip to visit her sister in New York. And on the way to the airport, they prayed for a safe trip. But on the way to the airport, shortly after they prayed, they heard a loud pop and the car shook violently and they'd blown a tire. And so... As a result of that, they missed the plane and they got their tire fixed up and they were very upset and they drove home. And then shortly after, then they received a call from his father from New York asking what number his wife's flight was. And so he explained his wife missed the flight. And then his dad informed him that her flight was the one that crashed into the southern tier. And everybody on that flight died. And his dad also informed him that he was going to help in the rescue effort. And his dad said, I have to do something. And so Robert was very concerned for his father's safety, but more because he had never given his life to Christ. And he died, and, and Robert's father, he died while helping with the rescue effort. And so when Robert heard that his father has died, his joy, you know, first of all, there was great joy that his prayer had been answered for his wife, and she didn't get on that, that, that plane that, that crashed and people were killed. But so it was first he had great joy that God had answered his prayer for safety, and his wife. But then, when he learned that his dad has died, in the rescue efforts, his joy for, for safety for his wife became anger. He was angry at God. He was angry at his father. He was angry at himself. 
And for nearly two years, he was blaming God for taking his father away because his son would never know his grandfather because his father had not accepted Christ and because he never got to say goodbye. Months went by. One night he was sitting at home with his wife and his son when there was a knock at the door and he was not expecting anyone. And he opened the door to a couple with a small child. And the man asked Robert if his father's name was Jake Matthews. And Robert said, yes, that's my father's name, Jake Matthews. And so he gripped his hand and said, I never got a chance to meet your father, but it is an honor to meet his son. And he explained that his wife had worked in the World Trade Center and had been caught inside after the attack. She was pregnant and was caught under the debris. And Robert's dad had been the one to find her and then to free her so she could escape. And Robert's eyes filled up with tears as he thought of his father giving his life for people like this. His wife then told Robert that as his dad was working to free her, she shared the gospel with him and she led him to Christ. And Robert began sobbing at the news and said, now I know when I get to heaven, my father will be standing beside Jesus to welcome me and that this family would be able to thank him themselves. And when their baby boy was born, they named him Jacob Matthew in honor of the man who gave his life so that a mother and baby could live. You know, we may not always know the reason behind things, but we must remember God is sovereign God is always in control. God does all things well. He does all things well. And the sacrifice that's been made for us, the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the suffering that he went through, but his greatest suffering was not his physical suffering. The greatest suffering was being separated from his father and being separated from that fellowship with the father when the sin of the world came upon Christ. But that was the only way that we could be saved. But it's not only the sacrifice of the son, there's a sacrifice of the heavenly father. Christ was in the bosom of the father. There was incredible love and fellowship relationship, intimacy between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. And the Father sacrificed. The Father sacrificed. He was willing for the Son, for His Son to leave the glory, the splendor, the wonder of heaven and come to earth in the form of a human body and go to the cross and take the sin of the world upon 
himself, knowing that he'd be separated from him, the one he loved so much that he'd be separated because the Father is holy and cannot look upon sin. You know, the Heavenly Father made an incredible sacrifice. The Lord Jesus made an incredible sacrifice for you and me. We read about this case in New York. That man was willing to lay down his life. Jesus talked about laying down our life for a friend. He never met this lady, but he laid down his life that this lady, pregnant lady, you know, could be saved. And for spiritual fathers, if we're going to be spiritual fathers to others, you know, there's a cost, there's a price, there's a sacrifice involved. And God, I believe, as we, as we close this morning, I want to pray. I want to pray for fathers. You know, we need the grace of God to be a father today. I mean, in, in the society today, in the way the world is going today, in the way the world is, you know, walking away from God's, God's way and God's pattern, the way that the laws of God are being changed, the way that sin, good is being called evil, evil is being called good. The darkness is getting worse and worse. And, you know, in the natural, to be a father and bring up kids today, I mean, it's probably far more difficult than, you know, in my time. There's so much, so much more to face. But, there is grace from the Lord. There is grace from the Lord. And not only natural fathers, but God is wanting to make us spiritual fathers so that we can care for others. Revival is coming so that we can mature them, see them mature and see them grow spiritually from little, little, little children to young men and then to fathers and mothers themselves. You don't have to have white hair to become a spiritual father. I mean, a 15-year-old who knows the Lord, loves the Lord, can be a, can be a spiritual father to a, to a 12-year-old who's maybe just given his life to Christ. Uh, it's not a matter, not a, not a matter of, of age, but it's a matter of spirituality and, you know, growing in our relationship with the Lord. And so spiritual fathers, but also spiritual mothers, mothers in Israel. And God is wanting us to know him, to love him, to love his word, and to spend time daily with him so that we can grow and we can become more and more like him. And as we do that, there's a process going on of becoming a spiritual Father, spiritual mother. And so we're going to pray this morning as the musicians come. Um, I just, it's all stand, shall we? And if those who are fathers, if those who are fathers, just like to come and stand at the front, and I want to just pray for you at this time that God will give you, and that there will be an impartation of the Holy Spirit to help you to be the father that God has called you to be. And you know, all of us, we can, 
even when our children, they leave home and they're away and so on. I mean, it doesn't finish your role as a father. I mean, we can, we can pray for our kids. We can put input into their lives in different ways. We have Pastor Ben here who's just become a father a few weeks ago. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to pray a general prayer, and then I'm going to come and just, just anoint you with oil and just believe in God, that God will just give you a fresh impartation of, of his grace that will come upon you, that you can be you know, the, the father that God has called you to be. And, and then after, you've, after I, I've, I've prayed for you, um, we have some little uh, little gift here, some cookies. Uh, so wait and get a, get some of them before you go back to your seat. Okay, let's pray. Just stretch out your hand. Will you to these the fathers that are here at the front? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for each father standing in the front of the sanctuary. Lord, I pray that you would be with them, that you would help them. Lord, that you would grant them, you would fill them with your love. Lord, that you would give them wisdom from above. Lord, that they would be caring, they would be loving, they'd be understanding. And Lord, may your grace be upon them. Lord, we pray that you would just cause them to be not only natural fathers, but also spiritual fathers, and that the hand of God, the grace of God, would come upon them. Lord, we pray, Lord, place within their hearts, Lord, a great longing and a thirst and a hunger to know you intimately as their Father, to know you, to love you, to praise you, to worship you, to love your word, and Lord, that you, you would come and that you would lead them, that you would guide them, and that your rich blessing and favor would be mightily upon them. Lord, we just thank you for each father this morning, and just we believe you that the blessing of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit would be your portion. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 